what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. This episode of the Caregiver Community is sponsored by Pace at Home. During this uncertain time, Pace at Home is enrolling participants who wish to continue to remain at home. Partnering with families, Pace at Home provides caring medical support for all of our program's participants. Visit us on our website or give us a call at 828-468-3980 to talk with a representative that can discuss with you the Pace at Home all-inclusive medical approach. Pace at Home is the champion for seniors wishing to remain in their community. Welcome to the Caregiver Community. This is a place where we talk about the joys and the challenges of caring for our aging parents as well as caring for ourselves. I am Frances Hall, founder and executive director of ACAP, Adult Children of Aging Parents. In this podcast, we are talking about aging in place and smart technology. Our interviewee is Linda Pollock, founder and CEO of Setting the Stage LLC. Among her many professional qualifications, she is a certified aging in place specialist and a certified living in place professional. As someone with an aging parent herself, she understands the challenges adult children and other family caregivers often face when they suggest modifications to the family home to help keep older parents or loved ones safe. She is now on a mission, a mission to modify homes so that people with compromised abilities, either from issues related to aging or disability, can remain in the home that they love comfortably and safely as well as independently. Just to be completely transparent, Linda is on the leadership team of our new ACAP Bergen County in New Jersey. Hi, Linda. We are delighted you are here. Hi, Francis. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure, for sure. Okay, there's a whole lot to, to unpack with this whole topic of aging in place and technology. So let's kind of jump into this. First off, just so everybody knows what we're talking about, what is aging in place? Aging in place is the ability to live in one's own home and community safely, independently, and comfortably, regardless of age, income, or ability level. Okay, so so bottom line, staying put. Staying put. Stay put. Staying in the house that you love. Right, right. And of course, so many people say that they that they want to do that, that they want to stay in their home because that's where they're comfortable and familiar, not only with what's inside, but also the surroundings outside. Yeah, yeah. they, they have learned, you know, they have their memories of raising their children there or they've made friends and they want to be, you know, where they are most comfortable. Right. Absolutely. Understandably. Understandably. Mm-hmm. So we we hear some people talking about aging in place. And quite honestly, often they are older. They are older adults. So when, sh- when is the best time to begin planning to, to age in place? Um, I always tell people that they should prepare before they need it. Um, a lot of times I go into homes and they say, but I don't need any of this. And then a few months later, you get a phone call and they say, oh, I had a fall. Well, what happened in your fall? 
And then they say, okay, maybe I should have, you know, listened and, and prepared. So I always say, let's prepare early. Uh, I'm 60. I live in my house by myself. Well, except my son living here right now. But I have actually started preparing my own home. I've moved my wash and dryer from the basement up to the second floor. I've put a grab bar in my shower. And I know from my own experiences that starting to do these things at a younger age is safer and better for me. So oh, ab absolutely. We even installed grab bars in, sh in the shower. We um, had an episode that we needed to think about replacing toilets and we went on and did the raised toilets, you know, yeah. And, and yeah, I was about your age when we started doing that. Yeah. I just hate to see, always hear the stories about, Oh, my mother fell uh, she got dizzy in the bathroom, and as she was falling, she grabbed the towel bar, and it fell out of the wall, and she smashed her head. Um, I can tell you from my own mother's experiences that we had many occurrences like this. <clears throat> she was resistant, to say the least, about making any modifications, and uh, it was finally after her second or third fall in the bathroom that I snuck grab bars in. Um, and not just your traditional grab bar, but, you know, she would fall and then she couldn't get up. So I actually placed several grab bars so that she would be able to get up. And there was one basically almost near the floor. Um, it was the next time that she fell, she called my sister-in-law and said, you won't believe it. I fell, but this time I could get up because I didn't realize there were these bars for me to pull myself up with. And my sister-in-law just started laughing and she had no idea we had just put them in when she wasn't home. That's so, brilliant. That is yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and the, the kind of the end of that story is that your mother felt better about her own ability to be independent rather than right. having to rely on kids or emergency personnel to come get her up when she was able to do that herself. Correct. Yes. And it's scary for family members to realize that, you know, she would fall, she wouldn't be able to get up. And as typical, she had taken her life for her medical alert unit off and never carried her phone with her. So she would literally lie there until one of us realized we had not heard back from her. Um, so preparing early is a good thing. Oh, absolutely. And and I'm going, I just want to highlight, I've never heard of pudding bars like close to the ground, close to the floor, so someone could pull up on them. I, yes. I you know, that well, I like that. I like that. Most people don't think of it, but I, I have to prepare for any occurrence. Right. So, yes. Well, and that that's having someone, um, <clears throat> excuse me, who really understands all the scenarios that can right. occur. And, and you're talking about um, putting this in place before it's needed. And that's right. what we say in ACAP is, you know, when you're in a crisis situation, that's a really difficult time to try to gather all the information and make really critical decisions. Whereas if you can do it before, if you can get the information before, which is exactly what you're saying, if you can put this in place before it's needed, then it's there for if it's needed or when it's needed. Exactly. You know, my job is to make sure that they don't have any occurrences so that we can prepare them so that they are safe 
and they have all of the tools in their toolbox to make sure they're living in their home safely. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So talk about, my understanding is that people who are aging in place specialists often will come into the home and do an assessment. Talk about that assessment and why that's important. So when I do an assessment, it's not just of one room. I look at the entire property. So it starts when I get out of my car and I'm approaching their house. I am looking to see if they have safe steps, if they have handrails, what the lighting is like, if there's any tripping hazards. Uh, Because it's not just about the person living in the home. It's about people being able to come and visit them as well. You know, one of the things that we always talk about is isolation and loneliness. So people want to be able to have social interactions and their guests need to be able to be safe as well. Um, So that's the first thing that I look at. Um, The next thing I look at is inside the home. I always have the client take me on a tour. A lot of times the children of the aging parent will say, oh, no, I'll take you on the tour. And I'll say, no, I need them to take me on a tour and you stay in the living room and relax because I want to see how the person who's living there is maneuvering around the house. How are they working about getting up the stairs? Um, A lot of times I will watch somebody go up the stairs and they're holding on to the handrail with both hands. Or when we're coming down, they'll be holding on to the one handrail with both hands and kind of walking down semi sideways. So Mm -hmm. that tells me that they have stair fright. Uh, so they're very nervous about going down the stairs and it's an easy fix. We just add an, an additional handrail on the other side of the stairs so they, they can hold on with both hands. Okay. And they feel safe going up and down the stairs. Um, same thing when I go into bathrooms, I look, I make them show me how they get in and out of the tub or the shower, because I want to see if they are comfortable getting over the step into the shower. Okay. Uh, A lot of times, a lot of showers will have a four or five inch step. And I will watch some of my clients really get nervous about having to get over that step. They're holding on to things that they shouldn't be holding on to or things that might be slippery. Um, Same thing with a bathtub. You know, bathtubs can be very dangerous. They don't lift their leg high enough. Uh, The tub is not, you know, it's not really flat at the bottom. There's kind of a curve at the bottom. Uh, So this is where a lot of falls happen. So I need to see whether or not they can maneuver themselves in and out of the shower. And that's when I put into my report what exactly needs to be done. Um, Same thing with the kitchen. You know, if they have their pots and pans at a location that they really can't lift them up and put them on the stove properly, or they have difficulty filling up a pot of water and carrying it to the stove. Um, You know, there's a lot of little pieces to the pie that need to get looked at. Um, Same thing when they're going in and out of their garage. If they park their car in the garage, I want to see how they're getting in and out of the garage, how they're getting in and out of their car. If they have a rear deck, I want to see how they maneuver their way onto the deck. Is there a step? Uh, Is there anything for them to hold onto when they're going, you know, in and out of the house to get on their deck so they can go and relax? Uh, a lot of houses just don't have, you know, anything for anybody to hold on to. So that's where we come in and we install the proper tools so that they can be safe. Uh, you know, particularly, I'm going to go back to the bathroom. I remember when my mother was living with us for, for a little while, 
that she was indignant that she wanted to get to take a shower in the shower that was a, a tub shower combination. Mm -hmm. And we had the handrails up and she, now my mother at this point would have been 96. And she was just indignant that I was saying, no, sorry, we have a walk-in shower in the master bathroom, right. um, in the main bathroom. Um, it, sorry, mom. It, no, you cannot get into the shower. And she right. was furious with me that, yep. that I would let her. But, but it was she, for she felt, Yeah, she felt like you were taking away her independence. Yes. Yes. Right. So that's that's where I come in because I'm not the family member. I know that when I want to make changes to my own mother's apartment, she was resistant and she also threw a fit. And so we had to sneak them in with my with my sister-in-law's assistance. She kept her busy and out of the house. And I find that when a lot of my clients uh, have these conversations with their children, they are resistant. But when I come and do the assessment, and I explained to them why it would make them safer, they are all for it. They're like, you know what? Thank you. That's a great idea. So it's always much easier to hear from somebody who is in my shoes versus the child of. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it takes us out of that out of that firing line, if you will, right. that, that somebody exactly. else has done this. And, and yeah, so often that we can say the exact same things, but because we are the adult child or a family member mm -hmm. that they, that they can't hear it from us. And right. So, so that's where you as professionals come in. Exactly. Um, you, you have talked about several rooms in the house and specific mm -hmm. things. Are there some other really important areas of the house that need to be considered or concentrated on? It really depends on the client and their mobility issues. I mean, I've been work, I've been in apartments where I had a client that was trying to climb up on a very high bed, and she was using a incredibly unsafe step stool to get on her bed. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was one of the first things that I noted to the son who was there that that bed had to get replaced. It had to be something that was lower. There's absolutely no reason for her to be climbing on a step stool. Uh, you know, things like being able to turn on and off the lights, you know, from your bed. Um, you know, in her particular circumstance, she was reaching over and falling out of her bed to try to turn the nightlight off. Um, so there, there are a lot of little things that need to be done. Adding nightlights that work with motion sensors. So when she, people get out of bed in the middle of the night and they need to go to the bathroom, the motion sensor comes on. They're not walking in the dark and tripping over things. Uh, rugs are another big issue. You know, I've had so many clients give me a hard time about uh, taking away their rugs. Uh, there's a way to, you know, kind of counteract that and compromise depending on what their mobility issues are. There are some people that it's just not acceptable. They just can't have rugs in the house. And there are other people that we tape them down so that they can't be lifted up and a tripping hazard. Uh, bathrooms are my, always my biggest concern. We do a lot of work in bathrooms. Uh, we've taken out quite a few bathtubs and put in roll-in or walk-in showers that have a zero threshold so they don't have to lift their feet to get in with grab bars and a seat so that they can sit down while they're bathing. Uh, we add, you know, uh, handheld showers so that they can, you know, be a little safer. Grab bars are always a must. 
But there are things, you know, you can do to a bathroom to make it safer. We replace towel bars with a special towel bar that has a grab bar built into it. Uh, we use very, you know, specific anchors that can hold up to 500 pounds. Uh, too many times I hear about the story about somebody got dizzy, they grabbed onto a towel bar, it pulled out to the wall. And so this takes care of that. Uh, even toilet paper holders we have with grab bars built in to, so that they can hold on while they're getting off the toilet um, so that they are steady on their feet. Uh, you talked about the Comfort High Toilet. I actually have them in my house as well. Uh, they're very nice to have. It's a lot easier for somebody with mobility issues to get on and off the toilet easier. Um, stairs. And, and you don't even have to have mobility issues. They're just easier. <laughs> they are just easier, exactly. I put a lot of um, day seats in bathrooms. Um, I find a lot of my clients, as they get older, they have a little problem with uh, hygiene. It's not as easy. Uh, a bidet toilet seat can be added onto a, an existing toilet very easily. And it is a wonderful tool for somebody to have. Um, just a quick story. I had a client whose bathroom I did. Um, and it was during COVID. We were supposed to start it before COVID. Then COVID happened. They put it on hold. She fell and broke her pelvis, and she couldn't get up and down the stairs. Once uh, she was healed and COVID was pretty much over, we did her bathroom. I suggested we put in the bidet toilet seat. She goes, I don't understand that I need one, but I'll try it. Well, two weeks after she was using the bathroom again, she called me up and said, that is the greatest thing we have ever experienced. And then a year later, I turned her half bathroom on the first floor into a full handicapped accessible bathroom. And then again, she said, can you please put another one of those bidet seats in? Because she loved it so much. Um, because I knew down the road with her uh, history of accidents, that at some point she and her husband will be living on the first floor. So it was important that we turn that bathroom into a full bathroom. So she had that down the road and she's very happy to have it. Oh, and I, I've heard a lot about the bidet seats. Uh, oh, I haven't right. come there yet, but but I've heard a lot about them. Talk a minute about, um, and I don't, I can't really think of what they're called. But instead of having the bar that is actually built into the um, into the wall with studs behind it, so it can't pull out. I know a, there are a lot of people who go with those those bars supposedly that are very safe that are suctioned on they are not safe um, okay I will tell you that is the one of the first things that I insist they take out uh, you know any suction cup loses its resistance over time with water age you know they dry out they are not safe um, and I will never allow my clients to keep them if I'm doing work in their house <clears throat> there are a lot of older bathrooms that have the towel bars built into the tile that have those plastic metal piece, uh, plastic pieces for a washcloth. Mm -hmm. uh, I cut the plastic out and I put in a proper grab bar uh, mm -hmm. because those are also not safe. The plastic is not meant to hold 110 to 200 pounds if you're having a fall. Nice. So that's a great question. No, please get rid of your suction cup uh, Grab bars. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Let me ask you another question. Um, 
Sorry, that's my watch. <laughs> Let me ask you another question that, that surfaced when my husband and I were looking for new chairs. And he had had... Um, he had had this chair that was a rocker, swivel, you know, kind of did all kinds of things. And he, at this point, I think this was after he had fallen and fallen on a hike um, and had broken his pelvis. And I said, you know, this swivel rocker turnaround kind of thing, I'm not sure that that's a really good idea. So we went with something that was very solid, but also had had arms on it because I anticipated that as we age, we're going we're gonna to need stability in getting up out of a chair. That's Thank a great you. call. I am a big fan of chairs with arms. Um, it's very important to have something to hold on to. I go to a lot of houses where they don't have furniture with arms. Mm -hmm. And luckily I can buy accessories to add to their furniture so that they do have, you know, it's like a, um, I can't even explain it, but it, it creates an arm um, for them so they can get up and down. But uh, now there's such, there's so many great things on the market. There is a power chair, which I love. Uh, and I had a client with uh, ALS and uh, that was the only way she could get up and down was with the power chair. And I have now recommended them to many clients who have issues with getting up and down, especially after you've had surgery um, or just, you know, issues with knees and hips. They're right. wonderful to have. Now right. they make a power bed, which I just saw for the first time a few months ago, um, which is wonderful as well. So, Right, yeah. right. The only thing that I have heard about the, the power chairs in particular is that if someone has dementia, that they can get really confused with the, the power controls. So just to be, you know, just to kind of be aware of that. Right. I, that's, you know, when you have dementia, there's a lot of things that you have to think about. Uh, but, you know, typically if they have the power chair, they're not going to remember to use the mechanism at all. They're going to get in and out of it as if it's a regular chair. Mm -hmm. uh, if they have a caregiver, then the caregiver will be the one to use them, you know, the controls. Right, um, right. Yeah. So it's, you know, dementia is a whole different ballpark, you know, right. and you have to really deal with the different stages of it. Right. So that'll be another podcast. We'll do that podcast. Yeah. Maybe next year. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm speaking actually next week at the Alzheimer's foundation educational series. So that's always a interesting topic. Sure. Sure. Well, now that we're sort of into technology, talk about smart tech, smart technology and how that can benefit someone who's old, who's aging as well as their families. Um, smart technology is amazing and it's changing every day. New companies are coming out with better products. They're updating the, you know, the existing products. Uh, when I do my presentations, I talk about things like smart light bulbs. Uh, where you can turn on and off lights without getting out of your chair. Uh, it's wonderful, especially you could be sitting in your chair watching a TV program all of a sudden. It's gotten dark outside and you didn't have any lights on before. Now from your phone, you can turn lights on. Uh, smart light bulbs are great. So if you've been out all day and you're coming home and it's dark, you just tell your phone that you want to turn your entry lights on or your front porch lights on. Uh, it's wonderful. 
uh, ring doorbells. I mean, I have one in my house. So, you know, if somebody is not home, a lot of times I can answer the door from being out. Um, I can see who's coming and going from my house without having to answer the door. If it's somebody I don't want to see, you know, I just don't answer the door. Usually my dogs bark first, but, um, and things like uh, controlling your HVAC, you know, you can do that from your phone. If I used to have a place in Florida, I was actually able to turn the air conditioning lower uh, a few hours before I arrived so that my apartment was nice and cool when I got there. Uh, <clears throat> there are other things like smart locks. Um, I can tell you smart locks are fabulous, especially with somebody who's aging in place. If you have family members not close by, I recently had one of my clients who's now 95. She fell and nobody could get into her house. They had to break into her window uh, to get in. A smart lock will allow a family member to unlock the front door. So, you know, if you're having an emergency, emergency service, you know, uh, ambulance people can get into the house without having to break in. Um, you know, there's just so many things that can be done. Occupancy sensors, to me, are a fabulous tool. Uh, if you have a family member and you're worried about are they getting to the bathroom and they eating dinner, you can put occupancy sensors in and it'll tell you when they enter each room so that you know that they're going into the kitchen. Uh, that's amazing. And one of my favorite tools is uh, for stoves. Um, knowing when somebody has left their gas or electric stove on, okay, and they have forgotten, especially if they have dementia, um, it alerts the family members that the stove has been left on for X amount of time. And the family member presets the alarm so it could be 15 minutes or 20 minutes. And at that time, if it hasn't been shut off, the family member gets an alert telling them the stove is still on. Um, all important things that, you know, we need to know about and, uh, you know, ways to protect our family members. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for those of us, I mean, it, it not only is for a family member, but often the technology is such that it's really beneficial for us, regardless mm -hmm. of age. It, it's, it's both a convenience as well as, I mean, all of us, maybe telling myself, but, but all of us from time to time might have a stove on and walk away and forget until a moment later. Oh, yeah, I didn't turn the stove off. Right. So, yeah. And you were talking about motion, not motion sensor. Occupancy sensors. Occupancy sensors. Mm -hmm. I have read about those. That is fabulous. That basically yeah. if if um, a loved one does not get out of bed, uh, you know, until later in the morning that you know that. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly there are the meta, um, the pharmaceuticals, the, the medicines medicine cabinets, I'm going to call them, um, mm -hmm. that will trigger a reminder to take the medication or even um, if they haven't, that that can be programmed. Yes. One of my favorite things that they have come out with is medication dispensers. So you were just talking about that. So it gets the medication dispenser. Uh, you put in a 30-day supply of all of your medications, and then it tells the person that okay, it's 10 a.m., it's time to take your morning meds. And they literally just put a cup under the dispenser and it dispenses the right medications for the morning. And it'll tell you when you have doctor's appointments, when you have uh, any type of you know appointment you have. And it just tell, it's a wonderful way to just remind somebody that they have things to do. 
Um, and you have to have somebody come every month to resupply it, um, but it's worth the service. And it and all of these things combine to help the caregiver, the family, feel much more comfortable about the loved one, mom, dad, loved one, being in the home by themselves because you you can monitor what's going on, what they're doing, what 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 needs what what they need help with. Exactly. Yeah. It really is. It, it, it is a relief to a lot of family members. I get called phone calls of children who have parents living here, but they're living out uh, west. And they're like, OK, I, I really I can't deal with mom being by herself anymore. What can we do? She doesn't want to go to assisted living and she insists on staying in her home. And what can we do so that I have some relief because I'm worried all the time. And it really does make a big difference. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Linda, we've talked about a whole lot of different things. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you feel like ooh, ooh, need to make sure that people know about this? Oh, there's so many things I could go over right now if we had more time. Trust me. <laughs> there's so much to aging in place. And it is, you know, a wonderful feeling when I know that somebody is much safer in the home after we've come in and added the appropriate, you know, uh, accessories for them. And it doesn't have to be a lot of things at once. You know, I when I do my assessment, I look at things that they need now. Uh, and then I will also mark things that they will need in the future or later, because not everybody has the financial with all to do it all at once. So we do the things that are necessary. Um, a lot of people get a little worried about, you know, I really... I don't like going up and down the stairs, but I don't want to move my bedroom to the first floor. Then we put in a stair lift. There's nothing wrong with putting a stair lift in. You know, it's a great tool to have. Right, right. So, so many accessories. Linda, you are in New Jersey. What about people who live elsewhere? Is there a website that people can go to and find aging in place specialists in their area? Yes, the uh, National Association of Home Builders has a uh, a portal on there that you click for aging in place specialist, and you'll be able to find somebody in your state. <clears throat> and if they don't have anybody, I would suggest the other option is to contact an occupational therapist, uh, and an occupational therapist can do a partial assessment uh, based on your needs. So... It's, you know, very much available all over the country. Good, good. Good to know and, and good for us to share that with everybody. Yes. So regardless of where you live, that yes, you have those resources in your area. Yes. Linda, thank you. This is great information. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Aging in place is a wonderful concept. Um, it just needs those supports as we age. It, we just need to have those those supports in place. Um, but thank you for, for explaining some of these details and some of these um, products that are even out there. And I know um, even with, we, we've talked about grab bars and you mentioned about toilet tissue holders and all these kinds of things. But the fact is that there are some some of these devices that are official grab bars, official assists that don't look like. So it's not like you're going in and necessarily making right. the bathroom look like it's like you're 80. 
Oh, exactly. One of the things that I try not to do is have them look like they are coming out of a hospital. Uh, I've had clients that I have had custom made grab bars for their exterior of the house that match the color of the exterior of the house. So you don't even know that they're there, you know, for safety reasons. Um, So, yeah, there's so much that's out there. You can make it look very pretty. And there's no reason to feel like you've just come into a hospital or a facility. So you can be safe at home and still have your pretty house. Right, <laughs> right, right. We're, yeah. we really are very fortunate to live in this, er- in this era that we have these kinds of options. Oh, thank absolutely. You. Sorry. Th- okay. thank, you for, thank you for all the good information. And to you, our listeners, thank you for joining us. We hope this podcast has been helpful to you and that you'll share it with others you believe may benefit. If you would like more information about Aging in Place, please be in touch with Linda at www.settingthestagenj.com. Setting the stage like North, like New Jersey, www.settingthestagenj.com. We certainly always want to thank Pace at Home in Hickory, North Carolina. They are our sponsors for this podcast and all of our caregiver community podcasts. This program is part of the Mesh Network of online shows and podcasts. You may find more of our caregiver community podcast on any of the platforms where you listen to podcasts. You also will find our podcast on our website, www.acapcommunity.org. While you're on our site, We hope you will take a few minutes to learn more about ACAP, our educational programs, and our local chapters. And if there are other topics you would like for us to address as a a podcast, please do let us know. As we say so often in ACAP, regardless of our age, our background, our education, or career, or anything else, when it's our mother, our father, our loved one who needs help, Caring for and advocating that for that person becomes very personal and extremely important. Please care well for your loved one, but also remember to take care of you. Stay well. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Mesh an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.